Hello and welcome to the Battle Cry podcast with Mark Mecklen. Catch the original live broadcast Sunday nights at 8pm Eastern. Go to conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. And now, here's the Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. All right. Hey, welcome to the Battle Cry. It is Sunday night. I'm Mark Meckler. And of course, this is Winston. Oh, he's a little terrorist. As you can see, I say little. It's a relative term. He is now 14 weeks old. He is a Great Dane puppy. He weighs 38 pounds. Can you imagine at six months, he'll be like, I don't know, 100 pounds. And he'll still be a maniac like this. So I, I put him up for a second so you all can see him. <laughs> And you can see what I'm dealing with. We call him the Velociraptor. Some people say he's cute. I say, yes, when he's sleeping, he's definitely cute. When he's not sleeping, he's mostly like this. This is kind of the insanity. So I'm going to put him down. Look, I make no guarantees what happens. Bookshelves could come down. <laughs> there could be barking in the background. Yeah, who knows? Uh, okay, here we go. It is Sunday. It is the battle cry. There's a lot going on this week. And honestly, most of it is about something that's absolutely disgusting and revolting and vile and evil. And that is they're trying to trans your kids. So today's action cry, action battle cry, action item is don't let them trans the kids. Fight back against transing the kids. This shouldn't be complicated to anybody. It is bad for them to pump your kids full of puberty blockers, hormone replacements, to show them drag queens, to introduce them to weird, bizarre sexuality and gender ideology at any age, but especially when they're little kids. This is all bad, evil stuff. And when I say evil, I want to be really clear. What I mean is evil, like really baseline, horrible, bad, vile, immoral stuff that they're trying to do to your kids. And we, you and me, have an obligation to do something about it. And I'm going to say that there is a very special role for males in the population to stand up against this stuff. Be a man. Really, that's what I'm saying. Be a man. If there's a drag queen story hour taking place in your town, I'm kind of looking out for it in my town. I heard there was one in Austin, but I heard about it after the fact. Go and protest. What are you protesting against? Against vile, disgusting perverts who want your kids to see men dressed as women. And, and by the way, I say dressed as women, but... I don't know any actual women who dress like drag queens. This is some bizarre, disgusting, Disney evil villainous version, caricature version of women. So you've got bizarre men who get off on dressing in some bizarre fantasy version, cartoon character version of what they think women are all about with garish makeup and fingernails and hair <coughs> and pumps and huge fake breasts, and then they want your kids to participate with this. I mean, look, the entire thing of drag, it is intended to be sexual. So what is the point of your kids or anybody's kids going to see this? I can tell you what the point is. The point is grooming. Now, traditionally, the word grooming meant an individual who was grooming up a child to then be subject to sexual abuse by that individual. But I think grooming is now a much broader term. What it means is they're grooming up the children of this society to be engaged in a absolutely broad uh, view of perverted, disgusting, vile sexuality. Like anything goes, total hedonism, right? It's, it's self-expression at any cost. It's this weird gender ideology where men are women, women are men, both are neither. There are 57 genders. Gender is fluid. It's a societal construct. You could be a man one day. Uh, the next day you can be a woman. The next day you could be 
I don't know, a dog, pansexual, whatever it is, LGBTQ, etc. And so this is what they're trying to impose on your kids. And so don't allow it to happen in your community. And the way we stop it from happening is we create shame around it because this is shameful behavior. For a parent to take their kid to a drag show, I think it's appropriate to say you should be ashamed of yourself. Literally, you're abusing your child. This is a perversion. This is vile. This is disgusting, right? And this is stuff that parents are taking their kids to. So I think showing up and shaming those people and making them humiliated to go to events like this, taking their pictures and spreading their pictures around, for God's sake, by the way, blur out their kids' faces because these kids are the victims. They're not the ones who, who want to go to these drag shows. If you watch any of these videos, you'd be as horrified and as angry as I am. These poor kids get dragged to these things. They had one in Dallas called uh, Drag Your Kids to Pride. And that's what they did. If you saw the kids, the kids were horrified. They didn't want to be there. They weren't enjoying it. This is something that they're woke parents impose upon them, go to these things and shame the parents. Now, I want to say, do it within the law. Don't trespass, but be straight up. Be honest. Be uh, forceful about it. I, I always say, try not to be offensive, right? Express your opinion. I think there's nothing wrong with saying you should be ashamed of yourself. How do you justify bringing your child to a perversion like a drag show? Why do you think that's good for your child? What is good for your child about seeing a show, a quote unquote art form that is intended to be inherently sexual, right? And why, why would you want your little kids exposed to that? Now, I read to my kids all the time. I would never take them to a library or we did take them to a library with a drag queen or a pedophile, or let's say somebody who's not even a crowd. How about a stripper? How about we just do straight up straight heterosexual stripper hour reading strippers, sex, sexy dressed strippers reading to your children. Would that be okay? Of course not. How about we do prostitutes reading hour, right? Where prostitutes read to your children. How about drug dealer reading hour? Like any number of degenerate things where we have those people read to your kids, I think we would all find that incredibly offensive. There was one of these drag queen stories hour, hours in Alameda County, California. Uh, to be fair, so you understand that's near the San Francisco Bay Area, so not all that surprising. One of these takes place there at a library, right? So that means public dollars go into this. Drag queen shows up. Apparently five guys show up, and they go into the library, and they start telling it like it is. This is perverted. This is disgusting. This is vile, right? And now they are being investigated by the police for a hate crime. Right. First of all, when I read the news reports on this, if you go out and research this, one of the things that you will see is a quote-unquote uh, allegation that people believe, quote-unquote, that these are members of the Proud Boys. First of all, I don't even, honestly, I don't pay attention to this stuff. I don't really know much about Proud Boys, but it doesn't say these guys were wearing Proud Boys regalia. It doesn't say that they said they were there on behalf of the Proud Boys, that they were part of the Proud Boys. But this is going to be the smear, right? This is the allegation. Proud Boys are, quote, unquote, white nationalists, which is what people say. So anybody who comes in and does this, they're going to be white nationalists. They're part of some hate group, right? So they're being investigated for a hate crime against who? Against cross-dressers? Is that, is that somehow now a protected class of people? Like if you're a dude and you want to put on women's clothing and garish makeup and pumps 
and go out in public, are you now a constitutionally protected class of people, a legally separately protected class of people? Because I'm not aware of this. I'm a lawyer. I'm not aware of that legal standard that makes people, men who dress in women's clothing, clothing a constitutionally protected class of people. I've heard it said by people that cross-dressers are not necessarily gay. I doubt that's true most of the time, but I've heard that said. Is it because they're gay or are we saying it's because they're gay and that makes them a, a protected class of people? Or is it LGBTQIA ampersand colon CD for cross-dressers? Or DQ, not for Dairy Queen, of course, but for drag queens. Is, it, is that what it is now? Is that is that the protected new class of people? And this is just outrageous stuff. These guys are being investigated for going out and protesting peacefully. Now they say that they harassed them and annoyed them. I didn't know annoying, being annoying was a crime. If being annoying is a crime, well, I'm probably guilty of that a lot. Harass them. I didn't see the quote unquote harassment. I saw some video of this. They said that they were threatening. I didn't see any threatening in any video. I've seen you think they would release the threatening parts of the video if they had been threatening, right? And so I think what they did is they went out and they expressed their constitutionally protected right to express themselves, right? To engage in free speech, to be opposed to this disgusting, vile, public display of child abuse. So look, I, I'm just going to be honest. I'm As long as you're nonviolent about it and you're not threatening anybody, I'm all in favor. Go out in public and shame these people. They've had free reign in our society to do this kind of stuff for way too long, and it's time for them to be shamed. We're seeing it at gay pride parades, which are being billed as child-friendly gay pride parades. There's no such thing, first of all. You see men walking around in, in shafts with no butt on them, with their butts hanging out. How is that child-friendly, right? We saw a pop star singing at the Los Angeles Gay Pride Parade, which apparently ended in the park in a concert that was billed as family-friendly, and she's wearing a big strap-on phallus with jewels all over it and simulating masturbation. This is family-friendly. This is what they want to do to our kids. It's disgusting, it's perverted, it's evil, and when it involves children, it's child abuse. It is straight-up child abuse, and we should call it out for the evil that it is. The, by the way, the Michigan AG, uh, her last name is, I think, Nestle. And really, really impressive. The Michigan AG is actually worse than the Michigan governor. You got Governor Whit Whitless, who's at the top of the list for the worst governors in the United States of America. I mean, there's a bunch of choices, but she's definitely near the top of the list. Apparently, the AG is worse. And the AG is on tape this week saying drag queens are awesome. Drag queens make everything better. And we need a drag queen in every school. I think this is the Democrats' campaign theme for this cycle. Drag queen in every school. I don't even understand the stupidity of that statement. And when I say stupidity, one, just stupid at a base level of stupidity. You imagine suggesting such a thing? And now, probably somewhat facetiously, she was saying that. How's that for a campaign slogan? Right? A drag queen in every school. I, you know, isn't the famous slogan like a chicken in every pot or something? How do you get from there to a drag queen in every school? This is what the left wants to brand themselves with now. Drag queens, transing your kids, teaching five-year-olds about bizarre gender ideologies. This is how the left in the United States of America is branding themselves today. So if you're trying to figure out what side do you fall on, just ask yourself, are you for transing the kids, cutting off genitalia and other healthy body parts, pumping kids full of what they call puberty blockers were actually chemical castration 
Same stuff, by the way, chemical castration used on sex offenders and pedophiles. Is that what you're in favor of? Are you in favor of drag queen story hour where we have bizarre drag queens, men dressed as some kind of bizarre outfitted women reading to kids in libraries? Is that what you're in favor of? So if you're trying to figure out what side you're on, if you're against that stuff, then you're not on the left. It's just plain and simple. And you either got to sit it out and not vote for those people or you're going to have to vote for the other side because that's just vile, disgusting stuff. So it's in Michigan, it's in California, and it's nationally. How do I know it's nationally? Because it's hard for me to even say this. In the White House, they held a huge pride event. Look at the photos for yourself. Be horrified. Joe Biden is now proud that he has the administration with the most gay people ever in the history of any administration. And thank God, because, you know, the Chinese are just way behind us on this race. And the Russians are way behind us on this race. And, and the Islamo-fascists, they're way behind us. And uh, the cartels on our border, they're way behind us. I'm sure that they don't have the appropriately gendered, the appropriate uh, sexual orientation in their ranks. And so we're gonna win against all of those existential threats, right? I'm sure the Chinese are shaking in their boots because Joe Biden has now asserted that basically he has the gayest administration ever. He would never say it that way. He says the LGBTQIA plus hyper colon whatever, et cetera. That's what Joe Biden is proud of. How about competence? How about not ruining the economy? Just for starters. How about not a botched withdrawal from Afghanistan where 13 of our soldiers' blood are on your hands? How about not a botched world where the world is now a much more dangerous place than when you came into office? How about not so much inflation? How about gas prices not at five bucks? Nope, but what he's most proud of is the gayest White House ever. I don't really care about other people's sexuality. I certainly wouldn't promote it as a feature of an administration and certainly not to the detriment of competence. And clearly in this case, it's to the detriment of competence. He holds up Pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary, whose main qualification is that he thinks uh, trains are cool and romantic. That's how he ends up transportation secretary. A guy who can't even fix potholes in his own town when he's the mayor of a small town. But he's now our transportation secretary and his main qualification, he's a gay married man who took three months off of paternity leave and stayed home with the babies well, you and I suffered through a supply chain crisis, which if there is a secretary of a department who would be somehow responsible for that, that would probably be Pete Buttigieg, right? Go Pete. And he's going to run for president likely. So, you know, there's that. So this is coming from the White House. The White House is disgusting in this way. They're all using this language. They're all talking about uh, trans people and transitioning. Trans stands for transition. I don't want to be really clear about language. I was an English literature major. I am a lawyer by training. I love the language. I love to write. There's no such thing as transitioning. I mean, you could transition, you know, from day to night, I guess. You can transition from being a child to being an adult over time, but you cannot, factually speaking, transition from being a man to a woman or a woman to a man. That's just a biological fact. Now, you can make a decision, 
which I think is a horrifying decision. And I don't even think adults should be allowed to do this. You can make a decision to cut off your genitals, cut off your breasts, cut off healthy body tissue, have a vagina manufactured. I don't even want to think of what that is all about. Have your penis cut off. You could make those decisions that doesn't make a man a woman or a woman a man. And I hate to break this to people who support this kind of stuff, but a man who cuts off his penis is not a woman. And a woman who has perfectly healthy breast tissue removed and thinks it makes her a man is wrong. And we know this by the continuing suicide rates, the rate of suicide among people who quote unquote transition as high as seven to 10 years after surgery. It didn't make them happy. It didn't make them healthy. It didn't turn them into the opposite sex. There is no such thing as a transition. So don't call them, don't say this is a person who is transitioning. This is a person who is a man pretending to be a woman. And he may have been willing to have his bodily parts cut off, but he's still a man pretending to be a woman. He's doing it through surgery and clothing and makeup and a name change and whatever. It is a grotesque fantasy. And the same is true for a woman. She can have a phalloplasty and pretend to have uh, a male genitalia. It's fake. It's not real. That's a woman pretending to be a man. I hate to be so graphic with y'all, but this is just the reality. And I'm going to get called transphobic for saying this stuff. Again, there's no such thing as a trans person because there's no such thing as transitioning from male to female or female to male. There are people who have gender dysphoria. It is a genuine mental disorder or mental disease. And it ranges in frequency depending on the population between one in every 30,000, one in every 100,000. It is a genuine psychological disorder which requires treatment and sympathy and understanding and care and, and serious psychiatric treatment. That's what it requires. It doesn't require that we agree that medical professionals should cut off their body parts and fake them out and try to pretend that they are the opposite sex because they are not. Even people with gender dysphoria, which is really rare. And so we need to push back against the use of their terminology. Don't buy into it. It's not true. It's a lie and it plays into their narrative. I'm not going to do it anymore. And I don't think you should do it either. So we talk about in our society that they're transing our kids now, right? Now we literally have young kids. There are states that say that your kids can, can start to take these things and identify as other genders, even without parent permission, as young as 14, 15, 16 years old. It's outrageous. So what as a society would you say is the right age to allow people to do this? Is it 14? No, of course not. Those are children, 15, 16, 17. No, of course not. None of those are the right age. It's So is it 18, the age of majority, the age at which you can vote? Is it 21, the age at which you can buy alcohol or cigarettes in most places, right? Are those the ages where we should allow people to quote unquote, and I won't use the word, but you do, how about do surgery, not transition, do surgery, do puberty blockers. And my answer is, we should not allow it at all. That's my answer. Because all this stuff is done under medical supervision. And the first ethos of a doctor, the Hippocratic Oath, is do no harm. And one thing I can promise you for absolute certainty is that when you give somebody chemical castration, puberty blockers, hormone blockers, when you give cross-hormone, cross-sex hormones to people, you are doing harm. There are terrible, horrible side effects in a phalloplasty where they kind of hunk up somebody's arm out and try to create a fake male genitalia. There are horrible side effects. The level of side effects is very high. 
it's over 67%. In some studies, some say as low as 33%. So at least one third of cases, there are horrible side effects. The hormones have long-term side effects. We have no longitudinal studies of cross-sex hormone use. We do know that they absolutely radically increase the cases of cancer, uh, the chances of cancer. Some people say certainty of cancer after 10 years use on cross-sex hormones. So we know that these doctors are doing damage and we should as a society be able to say, yeah, those things are not legal. Doctors are not allowed to intentionally give things to people that do harm to people. Even if the people you're giving them to pretend to themselves that you're doing them good. And certainly doctors should not play along with that. Our entire medical establishment has been corrupted by this insanity. And I think we as a society should stand against it. Now, I know I tend to be very libertarian. You know, people should do what they want. But doctors should, they're licensed professionals. They should not get paid to hurt people intentionally. And that's what we've got going on right now. So I think we need to oppose that. All right, the last question or the last comment, last subject matter on this stuff, because I can only talk about this stuff so much, won't be able to eat lunch today, it's so disgusting to me, is it's Matt Walsh's question. Over at Daily Wire, I'm going to pitch something. I don't get any money for this. If you're not a subscriber to Daily Wire, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Daily Wire is where I get a lot of my news. I listen to every single day. Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, uh, sometimes Michael Knowles, sometimes Andrew Clavin on the weekends. A lot of great content over there. The greatest recently is Matt Walsh's movie, What is a Woman? Where he simply goes around and asks a very simple question. What is a woman? And by the way, from folks on the left, he cannot get an answer to this question. It's not a trick question. People say he's trolling them. He is trolling them in the sense he knows they won't answer the question and they'll look foolish, but it's a reasonable question. You should be able to answer that question. In fact, a bunch of legislators from Texas recently sent a letter to uh, the Health and Human Services Department, DHHS, and asked the question, what is a woman? Because the term woman, by the way, is used over 1,300 times in federal statutes. So what is that? They ought to be able to tell us what it is. You know they won't. They can't. If you haven't seen the movie, I highly recommend it. I've now seen it twice. I would watch it again. This is Matt Walsh's What is a Woman? So go. you can go to whatisawoman.com and subscribe. Go to dailywire.com and subscribe. A lot of reasons to do it, but you should watch What is a Woman? You'll be armed with information and with questions, how to ask questions to your friends, your family, the crazy people you know on the left that are buying into this madness because you and I have an obligation not to let them buy into the madness without paying the price at least of shame. And if you have the knowledge, you'll be able to do it. Matt Walsh also has a new book out called What is a Woman? Again, I think you can get that at whatisawoman.com or go to amazon.com and buy that. Um, it'll be another bestseller. Matt's books are always bestsellers. So he will now be a bestselling biology author, I guess. <laughs> Mark Meckler is fighting every day to call the first ever Article 5 Convention of States to drain the swamp once and for all. Join Mark and millions of other Americans by signing the official petition at conventionofstates.com slash pod. Now back to the show. There's one more thing I want to talk about today before we go to COS and, and close out with some questions. And that is, how is it that people go to Washington, D.C. and get rich? Like they get elected to office and they end up rich. I, I really don't understand how this happens. And so there's a new story out about how they're doing this and about what's happening in, in the United States legislature when they go to Washington, DC, and then 
they become rich and they become rich nowadays, apparently by trading stocks. And this is from a site called Based Politics. That's B-A-S-E-D-Politics.com. And there's an updated report apparently showing now members of Congress beat the stock market in 2021 and they made some sweet trades in doing it. I want to read a little bit about this uh, for you guys. I don't normally read you guys, but I want you to read or hear some of this. This group, uh, Unusual Whales, reports that Congress mostly traded tech, finance, industrials, oil and gas, non-energy materials, and miscellaneous stocks. And there's some unusual trades specifically disclosed. For example, in November, Lockheed Martin won a $10.9 billion contract to modernize the Air Force's F-22s. And House Republican Kevin Hearn, who sits on the House Committee on the Budget, bought Lockheed Martin, which is an American aerospace firm. He bought the stocks back in August, bought another round, this time up to $100,000, just two weeks before that news broke. Man, what he's so lucky. What a what a coincidence. House Democrat Kathy Manning, not to be outdone, sits on the House Committee on Foreign Affairs. She bought $30,000 in those stocks on October 22nd, just two weeks before the news. I'm sure it had nothing to do with any kind of inside news that they had, right? Uh, in July, when Senate Republican uh, Tuberville finally released his late financial disclosures, we found he had sold 15,000 of Microsoft stocks in late June, two weeks before the $10 billion JEDI contract between uh, M Microsoft and Department of Defense was canceled. And he sat on the Senate Armed Services Committee, privy to defense contracts. So he sells his stock. The contract is canceled a couple weeks later. That seems like he might have had some inside information, maybe. In July, House Republican Blake Moore disclosed buying up to $60,000 uh, in stock while sitting on the House Committee on Armed Services, who's making trades while sitting on the subcommittee directly responsible for reviewing reviewing defense tech contracts. So how does this work? I mean, to be fair, some of them have their assets in blind trust. Maybe some of this is a coincidence, but really, do you think that senators and members of the House and notice both parties should be able to trade stocks while they're in Congress? Now the answer is no, it's outrageous. You know, I don't usually, in fact, almost never agree with AOC, but she's against this kind of stuff. Ted Cruz is against this kind of stuff. Why can't we get a bill out of Congress just banning them, period, from trading any stocks while they're in Congress? Seems reasonable, doesn't it? But they don't want to do it because they're not in it for you. That's the reason for COS. Take the power away from Washington, D.C. Give it back to the people. This week, <clears throat> the only real big thing pending in Convention of States is in the North Carolina legislature. The House has already passed the Convention of States resolution. We believe, based on our whip count, we have the votes in the Senate, is now being held up. There are two men who can make this thing happen. It's Senator Rabin, who heads the committee, and it's Senator Berger, who I believe is the Senate president or pro tem. These two guys hold the keys. Senator Berger says he'll run it if we have the votes. Rabin says he'll never let it out of committee, but everybody tells us if Berger says yes, it goes. We believe we have the votes. Berger tells us, oh, I don't think you do. <laughs> it's a game, right? This is the game that these guys play. So we've got to put the pressure on. If you are in North Carolina, if you know anybody in North Carolina, have them reach out to their senators. Tell them it's time to press the Convention of States resolution. Specifically, reach out to Senators Rabin, R-A-B-O-N, and Berger, B-E-R-G-E-R, -E in North Carolina. Tell them it's time to finish this up, pass the Convention of States resolution, because they're behind the eight ball. What Do they, do they think D.C. is going to get better? Is that what they think? Over, over the next couple of years, maybe D.C. will just get better. It'll just improve automatically, right? How's that working for you? And South Carolina just passed it. So what, what are they waiting for? 
Well, what are they like the ugly step sibling to South Carolina? They can't pass the convention of states resolution. They don't have the cojones, no real men in the North Carolina state Senate. What? Like, no offense to you women. Maybe there are men who pretend they're, I don't know what they're doing there, but they're having problems in the North Carolina state legislature in the Senate. To be clear, the House has already done it. God bless the House in the North Carolina legislature. Okay, let's go to Q&A. And these come to me uh, courtesy of Producer G, who is always the best, who gives me these questions. Thank you guys for writing them in. Alicia Navarro asks, can we the people sue Biden? And the answer is no. There's no way legally for the people of the United States to sue Joe Biden. You don't have a claim. You don't have standing. So the way we sue Joe Biden is in 2024, if you don't like Joe Biden, then you remove him from office. I don't know if he will be at all sentient by 2024, so he may not even be running. We might not have, you might not have the pleasure of removing him from office. I don't know. Uh, but there's no way for us to sue Biden. Jimmy Williams wants to know, why aren't Republicans in office trying to impeach Biden and his VP? The answer is they don't have the votes. I mean, it's a simple matter of the votes. You got to have the votes in the House to bring impeachment against the president. And maybe they will. Hopefully, if you want him impeached, then you're going to have to work to get enough Republicans elected that they have the votes to impeach him after the midterm. So that would be an impeachment sometime in 2023. Carmen Box wants to know, how does the president determine what big oil charges for gas? The president can't determine it. I mean, the only thing he could do to help oil and gas is to say, we're going to open up a bunch of leases. We're going to quit beating up on the oil industry. We're going to quit promising to bankrupt the oil industry. See, because one of the things that happens is there's all this negative rhetoric against the oil and gas industry, and then they expect them to invest in infrastructure. And the way oil and gas prices works, they're commodities. They're not set by the oil and gas companies. They're set by market rates, right? We've got excess demand and lowered capacity right now. That's from the president says you should produce more. So how do they do that? The refineries are at 96% capacity. There hasn't been a new ref, uh, refinery built since the 70s, literally. So what is that? 50 years, I think 45, 50 years, because there's no stability. When you know you're going to get attacked by the U.S. government, why would you invest billions of dollars in a refinery that they might just shut down? They say they're trying to destroy the, the carbon-based uh, fuels industry, right? The fossil fuel industry. So the president could drive gas prices down by relieving regulation, putting in emergency regulations that make it easier for these guys to pump oil, to build refineries, uh, to refine oil into gasoline. But the president's not going to do that. He's just going to vilify these folks. Uh, let's see. Mike Lineberry says, will you ever advertise convention estates on primetime TV? You know, Mike, we'd love to, but it's millions of dollars to advertise on primetime TV. We don't have that kind of budget. So if you know somebody that would like to cut that check, maybe, you know, 10 million, 15 million, just let us know. You can contact me directly, write the check to convention estates action, and we're happy to advertise on primetime TV. Ron Opsa says, where can I find an accurate map shows where the states voted for and against COS? Go to conventionofstates.com forward slash progress. That'll give you the progress map, Ron. Sharon in Texas says, Charlie Kirk did a fascinating podcast where he claims that we're in the final phase of the cultural cold war. He says the left is running out of options because the right is no longer intimidated. The final phase will be nasty since the only options remaining to the left are outright legal and violent attacks. I think he means illegal and violent attacks. But if the right perseveres, it will prevail. Do you agree with his assessment? You know, I think Charlie's a really smart guy, but I think what he lacks is the wisdom of age. 
I don't think we're at the end by any means. I think we are absolutely, I agree with them. We're in a cold civil, civil war. I don't think it's near the end. I don't think that the right is unintimidated still. I think there are some on the right who are unintimidated. I think Charlie is unintimidated. I'm unintimidated. I don't think there are enough people yet on the right who are unintimidated. There are still many on the right who are intimidated. And I don't think we're at the end game yet. I think it's going to get a lot more aggressive. I think it's going to get a lot worse. I do agree with him that the left is going to pursue violence and they're going to pursue lawlessness. And the question is, does the right have the fortitude to stand up to this stuff? And when I say the right, and this is really important, I mean you and me and Charlie and everybody, but I mean, just it's not about me and Charlie. It's about regular folks standing up and saying, no, we started this whole thing by saying, fight the people who want to trans your kids. I mean, this is pretty fundamental. If you won't stand up for kids who they are sexually abusing, what are you going to stand up for? What are you going to stand up against, right? And so the question is, will we stand up? Are you willing to make the noise? Are you willing to go protest in a way that might be uncomfortable to you? Are you willing to say no to your boss and your coworkers when they say crazy woke stuff? Are you willing to do it in the midst of your own family, which is sometimes the hardest thing, right? You got kids, maybe they went to college and they got woke. Are you willing to say absolutely not to them? That's when this thing will flip. I agree with Charlie, it's starting to flip is what I would say. I'm seeing more and more good stuff from folks on the right, more and more willingness to fight, more and more political backbone, not so much from our leaders in Washington, D.C., sometimes at the what you would call the fringe of the party, not the mainstream of the parties yet. But I think we're starting to see that pushback. We're seeing that pushback on a racial basis, especially among the Hispanic community that's not buying into Joe Biden anymore. I think his approval rating is down around 22-24% among Hispanics. We're seeing it in the black community where his approval rating has dropped below 50%. We're seeing it all across age demographics. We're seeing it in young people. So I think the the wheel is turning, the screw is turning for sure, but I don't think we're anywhere near the end game. All right, last but not least, Rachel uh, Rachel Barth says, where do you get your shirts? Well, I'm wearing one of my favorites today, which is the American Patriot shirt. And I love this shirt because it's, I like it also, it's not so COS-y, right? It's not just about COS. It has the COS logo on one sleeve, the American flag on the other sleeve. You can get it at conventionofstates.com forward slash store conventionofstates.com forward slash store that's where you can get the hat to get all the cool gear go look for the tumblers i meant to have one with me here today the new tumblers are super cool they're blue and they've got the logo in it and in silver it's the silver that's underneath the paint so they're dishwasher safe keep your coffee good and hot keep your iced tea good and cold so you know go buy your swag the hats the shirts we've got some new 2a gear coming out that's going to be really cool we're gonna have a big fourth of july sale on a bunch of shirts Go to conventionofstates.com forward slash store. And while you're there, don't forget to sign the petition and click the take action tab and get involved because only you can save the nation. We'll see you next week on The Battle Cry. This has been the podcast version of The Battle Cry with Convention of States Action President Mark Meckler. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod and become part of the solution that's as big as the problem. Thank you for listening.